0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast, which is very excitingly taking part in the blog tour for Julie Pike's debut novel, The Last Spellbreather. So make sure that you visit my blog for my full review. That's um, www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com. And if you happen to be on Twitter, make sure you check out the hashtag The Last Spellbreather to read Julie's other blog posts that she's been putting together. I hope you enjoy. Okay evening everybody. Today I am chatting to Julie Pike about her magical debut, The Last Spellbreather, which is published by Oxford University Press. And has a gorgeous cover, which is illustrated by Denara myrtle Hi there, Julie. Hi there, Joe. How are
1: you doing? You. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. You've recovered from all of your busy, busy authorings over the past few days. Yes, it's been very exciting of all sorts of um, things that when you're when one dreams of being an author, they think, oh, you know, I shall go and sign books and I shall go and have a book launch and I shall meet readers. Uh, And I've done all that over the weekend. And it was wonderful. It was everything I thought it would be. Um and one of the other things we do as a uh, dreaming of authors is wanting to come on this podcast. So thank you very much for well, including sure me.
0: That last bit is not true, but I am very grateful that you have given up your time to indulge me in answering all my questions.
1: Uh it is true, and I'm so glad well, to no, it's be It's
0: brilliant here. to have you. So talking of questions, my first one's a nice, easy one. Could you please just tell the listeners who haven't been lucky enough to read your book yet what The Last Spell Breather is actually about?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a it's a magical fantasy adventure for sort of nine to 12 year olds um, or anyone who likes a good story, basically. Um, and it's set in a fantasy medieval world. And the main character is a girl called Rain. Uh, she's 12 year old uh, and she lives in this village surrounded by a magical barrier. Uh, and the barrier does an important job. It keeps the village safe um, from the plague that lurks outside. Uh, rain and her mother they're 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 different to everyone in the village they are spell breathers uh, and they can perform magic and it is rain's mother that keeps the barrier in place to protect everyone and now Rain's her apprentice but she doesn't want to be Uh, she believes she she'll never be as good as ma'am at um, magic and so she keeps making mistakes uh, and that just keeps reinforcing for her that she's no good at it Um, and she she loathes her mother's spell book it's it's covered in mud and it's got these biting grotesques on it and she hates touching it um, and one day she she accidentally on purpose accidentally on purpose drops it on the fire uh, and the magic breaks and um bad things happen which she has to put right yeah. um and in the mad in the blurb that uh, comes with the book it says um her mother's spells are broken, her village is plunged into danger and an incredible adventure begins. <laughs> I yeah, love that. <laughs> and it really does.
0: It's, it, things ratchet up at a pace from there on in, don't they?
1: Yes, yes. I really wanted to write a kind of page turning adventure. Um, so I, I really set out to to make it pacey. Yeah,
0: and you have. it was Once you were in it, you were, you were gripped. You wanted to, to race through to the end to find out what actually did happen, which we won't give away, obviously. But no. Way, but, uh, <laughs> it's really good it's really good um so you mentioned you. um rain and her mum uh, merrily who are spell breathers for the village of penderin penderin um, yeah could mm-hmm. you just explain to people listening what spell breathing actually is and where you got the idea for it as a method of, of casting spells
1: yeah sure so so spell breathers they've got the power to make written words real Uh, So what they do is that they they have these scrolls um, where spells are written on magic scrolls and they can blow the words off the sheet and they use their breath to direct the words to land on their target. Um, And the the idea came very early on in um, my thinking up of the story. Um, I sort of uh, remember getting really immersed in a scene where the mother was performing magic. And then I had this kind of like little film um, that uh, played itself out in uh, in my mind's eye. I saw Rain's mother unfurl a scroll, which I knew had some magic on it. And then I watched as she dipped her head and blew the words off the parchment. And I watched the letters shoot through the air and land on a stranger. Uh, And I thought, whoa, this is great. I really want to put this in the story. I didn't know how it worked or fitted in with the magic, but uh, I knew that I was going to build a magic system around that. Hmm. Um, So it's kind of like delivered up to to me by my subconscious.
0: (laughs) Does that happen to you often? Do
1: you see things just kind of play themselves in your head? Uh, Yes, yes, it does. Um, I think if I get really close to a story, it's almost like... um, uh, like a waking dream. uh, That sounds a bit mystical. and It's not at all. It's just uh, things I I, I plan things to happen. They happen and then something will take over for a few minutes and something new will happen in my mind's eye. And I think, um, you know, that's what I love about writing is the imaginative process.
0: Ah, Interesting. I wish I had the imagination that um, you had. Mine doesn't do that, unfortunately. Hence why I'm not a writer. (laughs) Just an avid reader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you mentioned the the spell book, which is very central to the the story and is very different Mm. to any other spell book that I've ever encountered. Because sometimes you get cursed spell books or you get spell books that are evil and spell books that are good. But um, this one I found really, it was really menacing because it's covered, as you mentioned, in this mud filled with these bloodthirsty creatures called grotesque yeah. which is something really that I hadn't ever um seen before why did you decide to um do that to your spell book
1: yeah I I thank you for saying it's unique um and different because I in the early drafts the very early drafts it was just an ordinary book and I kind of thought that's a bit samey it's a bit vanilla um I wanted it to be darker not Disney I wanted it to be you know, um, dark oh. fantasy. Um, and I do read a lot of dark fantasy, so I think my kind of brain maybe is primed that way. And um, uh, again, this was this something that my subconscious offered up to me. Once I decided I didn't want the a normal book, I suddenly saw it covered in mud with these big... Um, sharp white teeth uh, sort of rising to the surface, ready to bite. And again, I thought, yes, I, I like that. I'm going to build the story around that. And, and when I decided on that, um, it really seemed to deepen the characters for me, because, you know, why would someone's mother, uh, a mother who loved their daughter so very, very much want her to touch something like that? You know, there'd have to be a really important reason um, and when I fathomed out that the reason was to keep everybody safe, it seemed to add that kind of sense of meaningfulness and danger to the yeah, story. Yeah, no, it
0: definitely did. They were really quite frightening, those grotesques. and we meet them again later in the book, too, and they were more terrifying then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're taught as authors, you know, learning all this to build the tension. So I, I um, remember thinking, well, they can't do the same thing again. They've got to do more now. What is that yeah, to do? they definitely do.
0: But um, there were so many brilliantly inventive characters and objects in your story. Did they develop as the story progressed or did you have some in mind beforehand that you've been kind of collecting, ready to use in some Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was definitely collecting some of them. I, um, I'm i fascinated by medieval manuscripts and the the marginalia that you see running down the side. I don't know if you've ever studied the... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Medieval manuscript. Yeah, well, these glowing images, because they're they're done in sort of ruby inks and sapphires and emeralds. And um, sometimes you get um, people um, or characters embedded within them, uh, almost like cartoon characters. And they can be hybrids of animals and people uh, so sometimes you'll get a snail with a head coming out of it or a or a, a kind of a hybrid of a dog and a person um, and then you get these unfortunate folk with their their legs joined together or um, headless men with faces on their chests and I, I thought well why are they there and i did a bit of research um uh, tentative research into you know marginalia and why mugs had, had to draw them on there and i got a sense that um they were, you know, sort of like uh, a warning, if you like, or, or, or medieval monsters from far off lands. And I, I let it go at that, and I just played with the idea that if it was a warning, if these um, uh, marginalia was a warning, then what kind of warning would it be in my spell book? And that kind of brought the story out about you know not dropping the spell book because if you do, bad things it happen. Really <laughs> horrible. <laughs> oh that, that's the scariest bit of the story yeah. I think and, and I did wonder for a long time if I'd if I'd gone too scary for the age group um but I talked it over with uh Liz Cross my editor at OUP and, and she thought it was fine so I thought well it'll but, you stay know then. I think
0: that children <laughs> like being scared you know to within a certain boundary and actually there aren't many children's books that do have genuinely scary moments in there but I certainly think that when the event you won't talk about happens that you know, I had mm. this really vivid picture in my mind of what was going on and it, it was really frightening it was kind of a hellish scene
1: yeah it shows the kind of thing I spend my time looking at on uh on social media <laughs> um yeah sort of uh yeah I, I mean in in medieval terms I don't mean you know anything um other than kind of medieval yeah. imagery there's a, there's an image of a, of a hell's mouth and uh, and things like that which kind of um, were I mean they were designed to be incredibly scary things back in medieval times um, and uh, and I guess yeah i brought some of that into the story mm. no well, it's
0: good I, I think it's good to have a few scares and I think you've got just to the just to the appropriate limit it would enough to scare you but not enough to keep you awake at night
1: Oh, whew, yeah, good
0: <laughs> and you created as well such an amazing magical world that was that was very beautiful I mean, the spell breathing itself I can picture it in my mind and it looks in my mind it looks beautiful but then equally you do have these really you know scary elements at the same time and I'm just wondering when you were kind of plotting and planning do do you create maps of the world to plan your story through or are you more of a post-it note person what's your kind of process for working out what's going to happen
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the spell breather, it took six years for me to um, write the story. I, mean, I think it took as long as it did because I was learning how to write as well as finding mm-hmm. the plot. But it, it did mean that I had kind of the luxury of time, if you like, to, to, to create it organically. So I, I'd see things that were happening that I just mentioned about the mud book um, and I would, think to myself oh i like that now now let's go back and find the reason for why this is in the story and so it grew quite a comp- complex plot off the back of that um, which I very much enjoyed, do, um, finding the story. I was asking myself the question, so why is this happening? Um, and who's responsible for this? And I was walking backwards from that to to get the reasons. But in terms of maps, um, I did use maps actually for the settings, um, the, the the village uh, where Rain grows up, I, um, and the action, uh, the first third of the book takes place there. Um, I did design maps. Um, just sort of hand-drawn sketches so I could get the geography right of where she was going at each different time Um, and I did offer it up to uh, OUP but they they quite um, wisely said no (laughs) and we won't put that map in the book (laughs) it was really very badly hand-drawn sketch Uh, and there was also something about maybe giving away a little bit too much about the plot a little bit too much about you know this secret place that was behind a barrier I didn't want to give that away too much upfront, Does that make sense? So
0: did you always... I know you said that you you were doing um, an MA, weren't you? Was it at Bath? You were mm. doing this. You had six years to develop it. Did you have quite the strong sense of how it was going to finish and it was just a case of plotting your way to get to the ending that you had in your head? Or did you have certain events that you were going to incorporate and the ending kind of came
1: later? Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the ending did come later. I mean, I think the ending... I, I, I had a sense of where the story was going to end up and, and how the themes were going to resolve themselves and a feeling at the end but i I didn't know um, you know scene by scene how that would play out um, so that that probably uh, the last third of the book um, was only done in the last uh, two years um, and when um oUP picked up the book they said um I had a good chat um, with Liz uh, my editor and um she talked about the fact that the last third of the book didn't have any magic in it oh. <laughs> for, a, for a story all about magic you know I kind of gone away from that in the final third and I think um you know i had been I'd had this kind of like a false belief that characters should not resolve their problems through magic um and so I'd stopped using it but then of course when the whole character arc is about someone learning to accept that they can perform magic, then it has to have a magical ending. And um, when Liz kind of uh, talked that over with me and I went away to think about it, that's where um, the new kind of ending came in. So there's a, there's a scene in the hall of spells towards the end of the book and that was all sort of um, thought up last summer, actually. Um, uh, where um the magic could come back to life for the story uh, and when I got that the whole story fell into place I you know, really enjoyed writing that scene it's one of my favorite scenes yes
0: one of my two actually one of my favorite favorite settings I thought when them um, in they go to the great library and visit the hall of spells and you know rain goes there to to seek help and I was just wondering I know that you've traveled to lots of far-flung places and I was wondering if any of the settings or buildings within your story were inspired by things that you've seen on your travels?
1: Ah yes, good question. Well, that, I have not been to the place that did inspire um, the Great Library uh, and it's, it's definitely on my list. Uh, well, it doesn't exist anymore but you know the, the place um, itself I suppose, the ground is still there and that's the, the ancient Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt um, you know, in its day, it was home to thousands and thousands of scrolls and was known throughout, you know, that, that area of the world as the capital of knowledge and learning. And I, I, uh, I've always been fascinated by that. Um, and uh, in a funny kind of segue, um, that place comes up a lot in some of my favourite films, particularly the Indiana Jones movies. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost so. Ark, but the scene at the very end. Did you know? know I've
0: film... watched bits of all
1: of them, but I couldn't tell you which film was which. Uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, they do kind of merge together, yes, but at the the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're wheeling this um, precious item into this huge uh, storage room um, of kind of dangerous objects, uh, and it it gets lost in there. And I very much was thinking of that, I think, when I came up with my Hall of Spells. Yeah, yeah. no, it's
0: definitely one of my favourite settings. Really
1: magical. It brings the magic back brilliantly. Brilliantly, so it's a good addition. yeah, I spent for, I wondered for a long time how Rain was going to find what she needed mm. in there. Uh, and then I remembered, of course, she was in a library and everything would be alphabetized, yeah, So <laughs> she yeah, could find it easily. So I love that. <laughs> Maybe
0: the librarians around the world would be very happy with you. <laughs> so that just brings me on actually to my last question, which I always like to ask people and people can never really answer properly. That was wondering, Ooh, I know what's anything coming. <laughs> about anything else you might be working on or if you are working on something else?
1: Or... Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, I can't I can't no. say much uh, because in truth, it's still kind of forming in my head. Um, but I am working on, a, on another novel that's contracted with OUP and will be out probably this time yeah. next year. Um, And it's another magical fantasy adventure, but this time in a completely different world with a whole different cast of characters, Um, this time more of a kind of pseudo Elizabethan world. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm developing a whole new magic system for it. Uh, So um, this system is kind of based on uh, fire. So there's there's dirty fire and there's clean fire. And um, this kind of the search for clean fire, which is sort of a kind of climate change metaphor with a fantasy twist. Um, My day job is uh, as a consultant uh, working on issues like climate change and plastic waste. So I've really been enjoying building a magic system to fix those problems. If only we
0: could do that, that would be brilliant,
1: wouldn't it? If only we could do that, that would be. That sounds really um, interesting. And that's due out kind of this time of next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I can meet my deadlines, um, and then that's when it'll be. Crossed.
0: Right. Well, that's yeah. it. I think I've taken up enough of your time. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to um, me, to us, to the listeners, and also. Oh,
1: you're such, very welcome. Um,
0: a brilliant book. I really did enjoy reading it. It did grip me. So um, I'll be sharing it with my son when he's feeling brave enough. He's a bit of a, a bit of a wuss, a <laughs> shall I say? he gets oh. crazy, so I have to pick my moments <laughs> indeed please <laughs> I'm, I'm, don't scare I I him <laughs> promise, but no, thank you so much for coming on and um, I look forward to oh, finding
1: out what, what's going to be coming next I have to get my ears to the ground oh. mm, brilliant thank you so much for having me Gerard uh, the time's I flown by I've really it enjoyed been. it
0: thank, thank you, you so you. much you have a lovely evening <laughs> and
1: you, you Bye-bye. too bye bye
0: If you've been inspired by Julie's interview, or perhaps if you've already read The Last Spellbreather and you're looking for something new to read, I would just like to recommend some of my other favourite magical series for middle grade readers. Hopefully you'll find something there that you haven't read yet. Another fantastic t- title for readers age 9 plus is A Pinch of Magic by Michelle Harrison. And there is also a second book in the series due to be released and this book has magic which again like um the last Spellbreather, has a magic in it that takes a slightly darker turn there's a curse involved and the main characters are the three Widders- Widdershins sisters with betty Widdishin having just turned 13 and it's on the eve of her 13th birthday that she first learns of the family curse. A curse which means that the three sisters are trapped. She then learns that they are to inherit three magical objects which hold the power to potentially change their fate. But will the mysterious magic mirror hold the key? Or perhaps the hairy carpet bag? Or even the Russian dolls that seem to have the power to make you disappear? Can the sisters work out how to break the curse before it's too late? A really spellbinding, gripping read. I love this one and I hope you do too. The next title I'd like to recommend is called Starfell, Willow Moss and the Lost Day. And I'm hoping it's the first in the new fantasy series. It's written by Dominique Valente and is published by HarperCollins Children's Books. And it's set in a magical world and centers around the main character willow moss who like the rest of her family has a magical power but her power does not seem particularly impressive she has sisters who can blow things up with their mind or see into the future but willow only has the ability for finding lost things like keys or socks or wooden teeth useful but not very exciting That is, until the most powerful witch in the whole of Starfell turns up on her doorstep needing Willow's help. The whole of last Tuesday has gone missing and the repercussions could be devastating. Can Willow find, find Tuesday and, quite literally, save the day? I loved this adventure. It's full of twinkles and flashes of magic, as you would expect, and would be perfect for any independent readers aged eight and up. So if listening to that interview has put you in the mood for some more magical reads, here are some of my recommendations of some of the newest, most magical titles that I have enjoyed recently. The first is Rumble Star, which is written by Abby Elphinstone and published by Simon & Schuster and is available in the shops now. And this tells the tale of 11-year-old Casper Toc, who hates risks and is allergic to adventures and unpredictable events. So it comes to a very nasty shock to him when he accidentally stumbles into Rumblestar, an unmapped kingdom full of magical beasts. Against his better judgement, Casper gets dragged into a quest to help save Rumblestar from an evil harpy called Morg and her followers, the Midnights. But he won't be able to do it himself. He teams up with a girl who hates rules and is allergic to behaving. Utterly thankless is her name and her miniature dragon is called Arlo. And together they set off on an adventure full of cloud giants, storm ogres and drizzle hags. Can they save the unmapped kingdoms or will it fall into the clutches of Morg and her midnights? A really brilliant read full of inventive language fantastical settings and all the things you would expect from a title from the brilliant author who is abby elphinstone highly recommended for anybody age nine plus another one of my very favorite series for middle grade readers is the wonderful the apprentice witch series which is written by james nickel and published by chicken house And there are three books in the series now. The Apprentice Witch, uh, A Witch Alone and A Witch Come True. And they have a really lovely, warm, soft, retro feel. And they feature Ariane Wynne who has to pass her, well she's just been declared an apprentice following her witch assessment. And she is sent to train in a very out of the way little town called Lull a sleepy little place on the edge of a magical wood. Now, Arianwyn is not convinced that she's going to do a very good job. What if it's not just about the odd spell gone wrong? What if there's bad magic threatening to um, engulf the village? Now, if that happens, it's up to Arianwyn to fix the problem. And she's made some new friends and an old rival turns up too. So hopefully things will be okay. But I really love this series and it's worth reading for the Spellorium alone. It's a magical place. My final recommendation is for younger chapter book readers. And I would say that this series is perfectly suitable for any reader age 6+. plus. As I said, it's a chapter book series published by Scholastic and written by Lou Quensler. And the series is the Bella Broomstick series, which feature the young witch, Bella, finding her way in the magical world, having all sorts of adventures and scrapes, discovering her magical powers, hiding her magical powers, battling off other magical creatures. A really lovely short chapter book series, as I said, for those slightly younger readers. okay so that's it for another podcast folks um i hope you enjoyed it if you did please remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on next week's episode which will f- feature the middler written by Kirsty applebaum uh it's a kind of this has a dystopian feel to it but it's not your typical Hunger Games bloodbath it is brilliant though so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out if you want to get hold of me you can find me on twitter and instagram as at 2 or on my library girl and book boy blog or my library girl and book boy facebook group talk to you again soon goodbye